0: Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite.
1: Hello to all my space carrots. It's beautiful and honest. One hour, one phone call. No names, no
0: holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun and I'll get to know you
1: know me Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. thanks so much for tuning in. Just a quick reminder. first of all, I'm so excited my new special's coming out next week, June first. I am praying that the beautiful and honest fans check it out and enjoy it. It's Live footage from a ton of my shows all over the country with a lot of stand-up, a lot of shows that went wrong and dove into chaos. There's even some live footage of the Motor City Mayhem episode of, uh, of Beautiful Anonymous from back in the day. And it's kind of like Heartfelt and Thoughtful also has stand-up in it. And then the album, comes out, it comes out the same day, June 1st, and that's just the stand-up. So I would love it if you checked out one or both. And obviously it would be a huge help to me, but it also is just something that I hope you enjoy. Because a lot of the people who were at these shows that I shot all over the country, it was you. It was you, the listeners, who have always had my back. And it it really means the world to me. Okay, now that the uh, cheap plugs are out of the way, let me go ahead and tell you. This episode you're about to hear, I have been thinking about it since we taped it a, a few months back. I sort of can't get it out of my head, actually. Our caller works in a field that's so specialized and demands so much intelligence and drive and talks a lot about what it's like to be someone who's not, I'll be honest, a nerdy white guy in a field where when we all think of it, you think nerdy white guy. You think some guy with glasses like mine. And this caller breaks down so beautifully and just so honestly of like, here's the things I feel, here's the things I encounter. And it's not... Clickbait, And it's not buzzwords. And it's not to get people mad at each other on Facebook. It's the actual experience. And I think when you hear people's actual experiences, that's when you start to have some empathy, which is what this show is all about. So I'm really proud of this one. And I'm I'm really hopeful that our caller lands wherever they want to land in life. Because you're going to hear they deserve it. And when you hear the place that this caller has interviewed and, and gone for work and internships at, you're gonna go, well, how sad is it that you need to feel stressed about this? It also ties into something I've been thinking so hard about lately, which is this, this idea of, we define ourselves by accomplishments, especially Americans. It really messes with our heads, doesn't it? it? Messes with my head. I heard it messing with this caller's head too. It's another thing that I keep dwelling on and thinking about lately. So. I hope you like it. It really got my gears turning, as you heard. I bet there's going to be a lot of opinions on this one, so join the Facebook group. Let us know what you're thinking. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for supporting me and my my dumb comedy
0: projects outside of this. Enjoy. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello?
2: Hello? Oh, my gosh. Hi, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. Wow. You, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's having
1: awesome. A, yeah, I've, I tell you what, I've been I've been having a little depressed stretch, but today I'm feeling pretty positive. That's always a nice feeling to come out of that.
2: Yeah, same, same, actually. Um, yeah, you know, just life.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Every time I feel kind of depressed, I watch that part of the Rocky movie. Um, oh, man. It's that part where he's talking to his son, you know. Have you seen Rocky? i bad. I should have asked that first.
1: I have seen Rocky.
2: Yeah. It's, you know, the part where he's like, go out and get what you're worth. That's, that's
1: you do, my favorite part. You put on Rocky clips. That's a great strategy. I might have to use that. <laughs>
2: And then I also watched a SpaceX video, how to not land a rocket booster. <laughs> okay. That okay. was pretty funny.
1: Yeah, I will often watch, there's a video, have you ever watched Drunk Ewoks?
2: No, I haven't. Is that a good
1: one? It's amazing. It, it's a morning TV show. It's whichever one had Al Roker on it. And they're doing a thing about Halloween, uh, like how to make Halloween cocktails. And they've hired two actors who are little people and they've dressed them up as Ewoks and they're pretty clearly either drunk or they don't care at all. And they go absolutely nuts. <laughs> oh
2: my God. Okay. I'll, I'll also write that down and make sure I watch it later.
1: Yeah. Drunk Ewoks I'll bring I so.
2: uh-huh. Um Yeah. So what should we talk about, Chris? I've been watching this uh, show for a while and I can't believe I'm on.
1: I'm psyched you're here. I'm happy to, listen, Yeah, it's your show. I'm just the guy who can't hang up. So you let me know where you want to take (laughs) this. That's true. (laughs) Uh,
2: So I watch a lot of episodes, but I don't really remember if you've ever talked to like an engineer before.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm not a full-fledged engineer yet, but I'm in college right now studying engineering.
1: Year. And there's many, yeah. I, there's like Biological a lot, I was going to ask, like engineering, like there's so many, I went to Rutgers University and they have a very good engineering school is my understanding. And I remember thinking mm-hmm. engineers, I'm like, oh, so you build bridges and stuff, or you work on rocket ships. And then I had a friend from high school who went to the engineering school and studied ceramic engineering. And I was like, what? what is ceramic engineering? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, that's better than me. When I was in like middle school, I thought engineers just worked on trains, you know? But (laughs) in high school, I started getting a more feel for it because my sister is an aerospace engineer. So she would like show me her textbooks and all that. And And then she explained to me like why bubbles form in pans and when you boil water. And so I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, a
1: smart family. And then.
2: Yeah. Yeah. She, so she really paved the way for me. It's, it's really great. I Then I, um, my high school actually had a robotics club and so I joined it just out of the blue and they needed a leader. So I kind of threw a cue, a coup and I was like, why not? I'll be the leader. I don't know anything about robotics, but let's, let's try it out.
1: So you took down the existing leadership of the robotics club and you
2: yeah, claimed it I did. as your own. <laughs> well, sort of. I mean, they all graduated, so.
1: Oh, that's okay. Uh, so not exactly a coup so much as the natural process of aging and leaving a high school environment. <laughs>
2: yeah. I just like to think of it as a coup. That's fair.
1: So <laughs> ne- let me just say this. I wonder if you'll be offended. You sound like a big old nerd.
2: Yeah, I am. I'm not going to hide
1: it. Robotics and biological engineering.
2: <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, I mean I've read my fair share of like I don't know, mathematical concepts, just textbooks on it and out of my free time and free I love time. Legos. Legos, yeah. I love coding, programming, I love CAD SOLIDWORKS. It's just I can't believe I just landed in a major that I fit so well and, and love so much.
1: That's great. So what exactly is biological engineering?
2: Ooh, I get that question. I don't know how many times a day <laughs> I talk to people. It's really interesting because like no one really knows what it was, and I didn't really know what it was either um, until I took this like introductory class my first year here at my university. And it's well, the what the university that I'm at right now has like a really general, broad program for biological engineering, which I love because. Um, you just get exposed to so many different parts of it, and, and so like some examples, I would say is like food processing. So um, like right now, I'm a food in a foods processing class, and we're learning about like refrigeration and uh, the whole food production line. Um, how they like today, we watched a video on how they make chocolate, and uh, so like all that stuff, right? And then we also have like biomedical engineering, and I did a internship at this place uh, with which I um, kind of work with prosthetics, and so there's a lot, tons of engineering of like stress and strain that goes all into that, and um, mm-hmm. learning about the body, and um, so that's like biomedical. But you can also go into like tissue engineering. That's really cool. I have a friend who's going to show engineering. He loves it. It's like a huge, like, I don't know. He's using this machine. I don't quite understand it. <laughs> but um, basically, it just, like, prints out uh, cells in different um, orientations in the broth, kind of. And it just kind of go like that. Just so, like, in a broth? Yeah. Like a, a nutrient broth.
1: So, you, so like, is this like stem cells? <laughs> like you're using stem cells to make a soup of cells? Uh, yeah, sort of, kind of, yeah. Like I said, I'm not
2: entirely sure
1: how
2: it all works, but I feel like that's that's the idea.
1: So. Now I feel like you're being very gracious right now because you said like, oh, I'm not entirely sure how it works, which I'm, I'm sure you're not lying. But I can also tell that when you said like, when I'm like, do you do stem cells make soup? You were like, kind of. Sort of, and I could tell in your reaction, in in a way that's very fair, that you were like, This idiot will never get it, so I'm not gonna let's not get into the minutiae. No, yes,
0: oh, I heard no. it.
1: I heard it. You make a soup? No. Is it like, is it more like lentil soup or is it more like pea soup? That's how you hear me when I ask these questions. What kind of soup? chicken noodle soup? I just.
2: <laughs> I just love talking about engineering, and it's just, yeah, I'm sorry. No, no apologies. So, um, yeah, so there's, like, all these different avenues you can go into, and there's, like, biochemical engineering, and my uh, degree is very parallel to chemical engineering, um, which I'm not really sure what they do, actually. Uh, I just, That's what my professors told me. They're, like, yeah, this is basically a chemical engineering degree, too. So... Yeah, I guess, I don't know, if I wanted to become a chemical engineer, I could easily go to grad school for that, too.
1: Now, I'm going to ask a question that's very annoying to ask anyone who's in a school environment. Do you know what you plan on doing after you graduate?
2: Oh, man. I've actually been asking myself this question so much recently. Um, I'm not, I don't know. It's so hard. I'm really interested in plants and growing them in space. I have been interested ever since I learned about engineering, and um, I would really like to pursue that. Actually, I just got rejected from NASA last week from an internship, and that kind of hurt a bit, but...
1: I'm I'm sure that hurts, um, but there must also be some easy rationalization in that I have to imagine that an internship at NASA has to be one of the most competitive and sought-after internships on, on Earth. I have to imagine.
2: Yeah. I mean, I kept this kind of as a win, honestly, because usually like when you apply, they, you don't get a reply back on whether you got it or not. But I actually had an interview and I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I was super excited about that. But then when I got rejected, they actually sent an email.
1: So I was like, oh, I'm good enough to reject an email now. Well, look at that. That's a step up. Now, wait, I'm just putting something together because you you said NASA. And a, a, maybe a minute or so ago, you had said, I'm really interested in plants in space. And in my mind, I had assumed that meant like like uh, plants in a physical space, like how to do crop rotations, you know, th- things like oh. this. You're talking about growing plants yeah. in outer space? Yes,
2: growing plants, growing, um yeah. Growing edible plants
1: in space. This is a thing we're going to be able to basically how to like farm on Mars if we ever want to colonize Mars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's one of my goals. This is a thing that we're actively working on here on Earth, how to get crops going on. Is it Mars mostly or is the moon in play here too?
2: Well, I'm not entirely sure about uh, Mars yet because I feel like we got to kind of get there. But then, that's also the process of getting there because it takes a really <laughs> long time to get to Mars, and so we have to have like a renewable food source um, to get there.
1: You are um, once again I'm not really so sure kind. About
2: the moon, either, but
1: you're so kind. Sorry, what? Well, I was just gonna say. Once again, I hear you being so kind because I'm asking, I'm like, so we're going to grow crops on Mars? And, and then you very gently go, well, Chris, we have to get there first. For step one is we'd, <laughs> we'd have to get to Mars before you're just like, can, can we grow corn on Mars? Can we grow wheat on Mars? <laughs>
0: I'm
1: sorry, Chris. I'm, no, I'm uh, giving yeah. you the business because I'm having fun and I feel a good vibe with you. And I like that you're letting me ask all my dumb questions like, what well, about cucumbers on Mars? <laughs> <laughs> that would be really cool. I gotta admit, that would be really cool. So you said you're not um, sure about the moon either. So is it more like maybe on a, a, a space station type environment? I'm just really interested in what people are out, out here planning.
2: Yeah. Uh, so it's mostly the international space station right now that they want to, they have a couple like rough chambers up there that they're actually growing plants on right now. But like the, the hardest thing about it, well, in my mind, is that the soil, so we can't really like, it's in a microgravity environment and the soil is very like a loose kind of thing. And with water, it just doesn't interact with soil the right way, I want to say. Um, and also, I'm thinking a microbiology class right now, and like a huge part of like this tiny ecosystem in the soil is all the microbes in there. And because we want the ISO to be like a sterile environment and everything, they, I believe they take all the microbes out and they have a very sterile environment. Um, so, but the thing is, is like, we don't know taking all the microbes out of the soil uh, it just really affects the plants because like I said, it's like a tiny little ecosystem down there and the plants aren't going to grow as well. So it's just, I don't know, in my mind, it's just like this huge engineering problem. And I feel like it's going to take the rest of my life to solve it. And that's a problem that I want to solve because cool. I think there's just so many applications of it and I can really help people. And um, if we get like higher yields and all our research could actually benefit um, agriculture
1: in the U.S. or on Earth, really. Well, that's always been one of the ways that they justify space programs, right? When people when people are going, why do yeah. we spend so much money on space programs? You go, there's been a lot of examples of, oh, well, there's technology we figure out for space that, like the VCR, not that we use VCRs anymore, mm-hmm. but th- that was originally developed by NASA famously. And there's, there's a number of things that you go, oh, well, we figure out things for space. And then we realize, oh, every home in the world should have one of these and life gets easier. That's cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: it's cool when that happens. Now I just have so many questions. It's so fascinating to me.
2: How do we did- too? I don't know any lot a lot about
1: it. <laughs> no, I mean you know more than I do. And I I understand you're saying you're a student, you're dipping your toes in this, feeling out all these different things. This is one you're currently really interested in. I get it. I I don't expect to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you do know this. Right now with that space station, because people stay up there for long stretches of time. Do they just have tons of like freeze-dried food? Like, you know, we all have that image in our head of like the astronaut ice cream, like frozen MRE type Mm -hmm. packs or are we like sending ships up to deliver food on a semi-frequent basis? Like what's, what? how are people getting food up there yeah. now?
2: Yeah. I believe they have payloads that routinely just go up to the ISS and, um, you know, food and, um, water and well, they have a lot of like recyclable water on there too as well. Um, and then they also have like, uh, the current science experiments that they're doing too. They just rotate everything out. I believe. I believe. All right. I'm not a uh, like I said <laughs> I don't know everything about space.
1: That's wild. We have like um, Instacart deliveries to the space station. I wonder if they can put in orders. <laughs> I wonder if they're allowed I wonder if it's just like, hey, here's what we're sending up, deal with it. Or I wonder if they can go like, I'd love some baked lays. Can we get some baked lays up here, please? <laughs>
2: Well, I believe for the holidays, they do like send up, um, I don't know, turkey dinners and all that. And I saw like one time on, I follow, I follow a national station on Instagram and they have, uh, they made like pizza one time in space too. So I think technology is really advancing. I mean, if we can have pizza in space. What's next,
1: you know? <laughs> yeah, it's so funny that you say it because you think of space as such a complicated thing and obviously it is. And and I know my skill set in life. I'll never be someone who can even remotely start thinking about the things you say you're thinking about. And I love that. But when you sit there and you go, oh yeah, so we're thinking about bio- biology and space. Um, one of the main problems is that soil floats away and you're like, oh, right. That's a pretty basic problem. I would have to imagine that pizza comes pre-packaged because it's like, oh, if you want to cook a pizza, all the flour, you can't make your own dough because guess what? The flour flies away. The (laughs) cheese flies away. How do we deal with this?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure
1: it did come pre-packaged. Yeah, Yeah, that's like like one of those, uh, you buy it out of the freezer rack in the supermarket. It makes sense though. It mm-hmm. makes sense. This is like, I would have, because I would have to imagine, because the International Space Station, I, I have no idea what I'm talking about. It's it, compared to the moon, it's significantly closer, right? The sta- space station is basically in Earth's orbit, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Do I know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about? So if we ever want to have like a more permanent presence on the moon, we got to figure out all this stuff while we're at the space station. I just, I sound so dumb. I sound so dumb.
2: Oh yeah. No, 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 no. But it's stuff I'm thinking about for the first
1: time, right? If you go, we can figure out how to grow crops on the space station. Well now maybe growing crops on a different actual celestial body Is possible that gets really interesting, really Mm -hmm. fast.
2: Yeah, yeah, different gravity too. Because I learned this. uh, I push from here, but that's not important. I learned that um, plants have a gravitropic response, so they can tell um, what gravity is acting on them, and like kind of what direction gravity is acting on them, and they respond to that by growing basically the opposite way.
1: I'm sitting around here feeling like, oh, man, how did I miss the boat on Schitt's Creek? I got to catch up on Schitt's Creek. Are callers thinking about how gravity affects plants growing? This is who I am. Take a break.
0: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com.
1: Thank you to everybody who advertises on the show, allows it to exist. Now let's get back to this very fascinating phone call.
2: What gravity is acting on them and like kind of what direction gravity is acting on them. And they respond to that by going basically the opposite way. Wow. So very interesting stuff. Yeah. And if they, they don't have a gravitropic response or they don't have like a, a gravity enforcing on them, then they rely on their uh light response basically. Wow. And they grow towards the light. So, so I don't know. There's so much to about plants that I don't know too that I'm like, oh man, there's so much to research. You know,
1: but uh and I am excited to, though. And and then you, you you talk about this and it's something that me and the majority of people listening have probably never thought about. And then you go, oh I have to imagine some of the smartest minds on earth are sitting here going I wonder what happens when you grow plants in a different gravity. I wonder what happens to crops when you grow them thousands of miles further away from the sun than we're accustomed to seeing. It's almost like it's almost weirdly i, I strangely to say it's almost going to be a thing that if we ever try to get there on the moon or Mars if we get there eventually it's almost like oh we're kind of the gods we're responsible for trying to figure out how to grow life in these situations how to get water to recycle and stay in the ecosystem how to like what's how do, how is the nutrition going to be affected if we plant a crop that grows differently because it's not getting sun in the same way it's used to those are really interesting questions especially if you're a nerd like I am and you are
2: yeah yeah it really is interesting questions i mean in engineering we have like all these different charts and whatnot but when you start thinking yeah in a different environment where gravity is different or a lot less then it's like how do they affect these charts how do how do they all change the situation basically and life science is super complicated like Oh, because like it hurts my brain thinking about like all the stuff I have to learn and biochemistry and everything, all the cycles and like metabolic cycles and everything. But it's like how how was all of this affected when we go into a different planet or we go off of Earth? And so yeah, it's so cool. it definitely is a lot to explore.
1: Now I'm gonna ask you another very basic question because you're thinking about this with plants. but another factor that plants need how are we going to you know we talk about this thing oh we're going to go think about colonizing mars someday and you got the spacex program and elon musk saying all the things he says but what about oxygen how are we going to have permanent how are we going to have permanent outposts on moons and planets if we don't have oxygen is that something that we're trying to figure out how we can create or trigger
2: yeah um so I had to do this project for like a my senior design class and it was basically just um how do we colonize Mars pretty much and we had to build like the structure and it's all like hypothetical of course. And my professor took a lot of uh, inspiration from The Martian, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's a book, but it's also a movie right now. So, yeah, and so we had to take into a lot of those accounts. Um, I don't really, don't really remember uh, how the recycled oxygen. Oh, my gosh. I feel like such a space phony right now. i was supposed to be interested in this subject, but I'm like, wait a second. I don't know. I haven't been getting a lot of sleep, too. But I know that the basic reaction of splitting water creates a lot of energy. And it creates O2 in the process. And I'm pretty sure it has something to do with a chemical reaction like that. Um, but yeah, so that would be my best guess right now. I can't really remember. And I don't really remember what my design was
1: for that too. But <laughs> Can I ask you something? But anyways, yeah. I want to ask you something yeah. that, that's not about the science itself. Uh, and apologies. Okay. Apologies if this is like a reach or rude um the cliche of like you know you you watch a movie about NASA and that control room mm-hmm. and mostly what you see is like the cliche is like kind of a white guy who looks like me in a, a lab coat who's a know-it-all right um uh, that's the yeah. cliche and <laughs> and those representations are changing in recent years that's good that's good um but and talking to you on the phone, you're someone who's willing to say like, oh yeah, no, I don't have all the answers. And that's different than the cliche of like, we expect science people to be like, oh no, here's everything you need to know. You also are a young woman, unless you identify otherwise, I don't want to assume. Um, yeah, that, yes, I do. That. And you're also very laid back. Like your style of speaking is like, yeah, yeah. Like thought about it, did projects on it, think about it. I guess my question is this, Within this world of being an engineering student, of trying to get internships at NASA, are those cliches things I know from movies or are they actually things that can make it difficult within the path you're currently walking?
2: Ooh, Chris, it makes it so difficult. <laughs> like right now, I feel like the reason why I'm stumbling over so much and being like, I don't really know is because like in the back of my mind, there's probably some White older engineer who's gonna to listen to this call and be like, "She doesn't know anything, and it's true like I don't know a lot, and I'm trying to learn um but yeah, right now I go to a university that's predominantly my white males and uh in any engineering major, and I'm also a person of color too, and so Native American which is even, a like, a lower percentage in engineering as well. Um, but, yeah, it makes it really hard. And uh, I know, like, NASA is really trying to diversify the workforce. Uh, but the truth is, I don't know how much diversity NASA has because never really been there. So, <laughs> I, yeah. And I haven't really heard any statistics about, like, how um, diverse the workforce is. But right now, with the internships that I got and what I see in school, yeah, it's uh, predominantly white now, and it does make it hard. Like I pretty much have severe imposter syndrome all the time. <laughs> but I, you know, I cope with it. I try to make the best out of it. I'm also engineering ambassador for my university and. I wanted that role because it just makes it easier for the next person who's also a person of color or identifies as female or finds some commonality in me that's not, you know, white male, if that makes sense, right? <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And a couple reactions to this. First thing I want to say is it, it really, it, 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 it like breaks my heart that you have to sit here and go, well, there's probably other people in the world of engineering who are going to hear this, who are going to be mad at me for not having all the answers. Um, And the first thing I'll say is, that's exactly why I think these conversations, <clears throat> how would I phrase it? It's like, I think there's a real middle ground, right? Like, I think there are definitely people who go on, you know, who, who like to get likes on Twitter and Instagram and, and people write off these conversations because of that. And, and and I get that that exists, but in reality, the reason that this stuff is all worth talking about is you're a really smart person who's able to get an interview with NASA. And the fact that you're on the phone with me and you still have to go, I feel like I have to get, have my guard up. That's the problem. Right. And that's where it just becomes a ba- a basic human thing of like, Oh, the fact that you have to sit here and feel like you have to watch your own back is energy that you shouldn't have to be spending. You're someone who is so smart and has such value to society, and that's not if you're getting a callback with NASA, oh, it's just use an acting term entertainment industry callback. If you're getting that interview <laughs> if you're getting that interview, you are a high level person in this in this world of being this type of student, you know, and you're being very humble about that. That's the problem, right is I don't think it's like revolutionary for me to say, oh, that sucks that things are built in a way where you have to spend energy being nervous about being judged in a way that I bet a lot of other people don't have to spend that energy. That's the problem. And that's where I go, this is not like that doesn't that doesn't make me like that does make that's not a radical thought to be like, that sucks that you have to worry about that. And then the other thing I want to say too yeah. related to that. The best teachers I ever had, and my I am on record on this show saying that I had what I consider a pretty unpleasant experience with education starting from, I loved school until about seven or seventh or eighth grade, and then it just progressively got worse and worse. And in college, I felt, I walked away going, man, that was a bad experience getting educated. It's awful. I think about it now. I'm old enough to realize that's so sad. That's so sad. But what I'm going to say is Mm -hmm. the teachers who I actually did respect the most and the teachers who I walked away feeling like they had the most to offer were the ones who were very willing to say, I don't know. They were the ones who were willing to go, yeah, I'm a teacher. That doesn't mean I know everything. Let's figure it out together. Or maybe you go figure it out. Let Mm -hmm. me know what you find and we'll start doing stuff together, you know? So the idea of saying yeah. I'm not sure about that. Don't worry about that. If anybody out there is listening and judging that, that is that is a poor reflection on them because being being very willing to say, "Yeah, no, I'm I'm a person smart enough to interview with NASA, but I'm also humble enough to tell you there's a lot of things I don't know." That's a great quality. So I I just wanted to jump in and say that.
2: Oh. Thank you, Chris. That makes me feel so much better. <laughs> Yeah, no. Yeah, a lot of people tell me that they're like, it just sucks that you feel that way, and I'm like, yeah, it does. But in that second part that you said, no, nobody says that to me, and so I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah,
1: we all yeah, like try to be experts. It, it, yeah. Oh, <laughs> there's very few experts. Yeah, that's I,
2: why yeah. Experts. Exactly
1: sorry. What I said? There's very few experts, and that's why we have a word for them. We wouldn't have to come up with the word experts if it was a thing that was easy to be. Not everyone's an expert on everything all the time.
2: Yep. That's very much true. I know a lot of my classmates think I'm really smart too. And they always like come to me and like, what did you get for this answer? And I'm like, I either a, I haven't done the homework yet. (laughs) (laughs) Or B, I don't really care how to solve this problem. Let me get back to you and like, I don't know. I, yeah, this is like this external pressure when like, someone thinks that you're smart and you're like, okay, I, don't know. I feel like I have to prove to them that I'm smart by getting the right answer all the time, you know? But, uh, yeah, I guess we shouldn't be complaining about
1: having people being smart
2: smart. <laughs> no.
1: Now, I'm really interested. You said that you're Native American and that there's very little presence in the world you're in right now. Um
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't you know who knows where we'll go with this. I'm wondering. Um growing up l- were you living like were you living in uh uh like on native land? Were you living in a city? I'm wondering what your what your starting point was Oof. on this journey. Yes, because I want
2: to talk about this. Yeah, yes, let's do okay. it. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, so there's like no representation of Native Americans in the media. So, my parents, uh, they're from, but we're from the Navajo Nation, which is a reservation that's in like Mexico and mostly Arizona. And uh, my parents didn't like how the situation is there at all. Like, the schools aren't up to standard. It takes forever. You have to drive so long, well, depending on where you're at to you go get groceries. And um, there's just not a really good environment. There's, like, a drug problem, drinking problem, all that. So, my parents, they moved away about, like, I don't know, two hours-ish. And they decided to put us in school out of the reservation. And, um, yeah, and I feel like I've I'm so happy that they made that decision because all my family that stayed on the reservation, they're either like, they have like drinking problems or stuff like that. And they just never finished high school or have some pregnancies. And so I'm really happy that they did that. Yeah. So that's how it's kind of the situation.
1: The fact that you and your sister are both going to be engineers, your parents have to be so proud.
2: Yeah, I'm lucky that they tell me that too. I know a lot of people, they, they don't have parents that tell them that or um, good quality parents. But yeah, my parents, luckily, they do tell me that. And I try to break it in, but like I said, I'm not really sure how much we mean it. But I take it in as well as
1: I can. I may have told this story on the show before, but I think it's worth repeating. Um, I will never forget when I was 24, I drove cross country Mm -hmm. and me and my buddy, we went to the the Grand Canyon and this was before Mm -hmm. GPS and you just looked at maps and we were young and naive and didn't ever look into like a dashed line means this, this type of line means that. And we would take Grand Canyon and it was like, okay, like we could turn around and take the highway back out and drive the same stuff we saw. Or there's this other road that looks like it takes a little longer, but it'll loop us through some area we haven't seen. And that area mm-hmm. wound up driving you through um, reservation lands. And I- I'm ignorant to know yeah. which people that land belongs to. But I remember driving, first of all, this was, I forget how they marked the line on the map, but it effectively was to say, this is not a fully paved road. Like this is not a highway standard road. It took us hours. It got nerve wracking because you just drive for stretches in the middle of the night where you saw nothing. And I have to say, and then you, you know, you just occasionally come across like, a crossing that would have like a light and a gas station with a store, and we'd stop to get gas, or you'd be driving and all of a sudden see just like a group of small houses, like set off to the side mm-hmm. in the desert. And I remember realizing it was extremely <clears throat> eye opening for me, even as a young person who still really had my head up my ass in a lot of ways, going, Oh, so many of us assume that, like, the, the, aggression towards native americans that we've all read about is a thing of the past and mm-hmm. i realized that oh whatever is going on in the present this this life is not still easy at least in the areas i saw like this is still yeah. a very raw deal for a lot of people that that this is what they were handed and that's a literal thing they were they were actually. It was, here's where you'll go. That, that, it was eye-opening. Yeah,
2: yeah. It is, it's really bad. Like, the food insecurity, there is so bad. And it's really sad, because my grandma and my grandpa still live on the reservation. And they don't want to live off of it. And they have to drive, like, six, my grandma has to drive, like, six hours just to go to the grocery store. That's and
1: it's, Bonkers.
2: Yeah, Six it's really bad. And hours. there's another thing too. Yeah, the so like my cultural food, I've grown up like my mom. So we have like this thing called pie bread, and you have like mutton stew and all that, and it's not healthy for you whatsoever. And I've always kind of thought that, uh, but I like never really understood why we have that food until I came across this article um that was done and it said the reason why we have a lot of that food that's like really unhealthy and like deep fried and all that is because when we were i guess when like the walks were happening like the trail of tears and like Port Sumner happened they gave us all this food like flour and lard and coffee and like we didn't know what to do with it And I guess we started just making the food that we have now, but it's really, really unhealthy. And it just, it kind of like brought that magic away from the food for me. I used to associate it so much with like being home and uh, with like my mom and my dad and everything. But there's just like this huge injustice behind
1: it. Let's pause because look, I was an American studies graduate. So this is the type of thing I think about how the types of foods we eat reflect the culture we come from and our past and how we got to where we are. That's the type of classes I took. Different, different than engineering, but valid in its own way. Okay. We're going to hear more about the caller's life, more about caller's experience when we get back.
0: Introducing WonderSuite from Bluehost.com.
1: Thanks again to our advertisers. That was the final break. Let's finish off the phone call.
2: But there's just like this huge injustice behind it. And I don't really like to eat it anymore.
1: Do um, Do you think that this might be a reach? Do you think consciously or subconsciously that that might be part of why you've Become really interested in in crop growth and and food engineering.
2: I actually think so. I think I think like the agricultural injustice that's happening there is just it's really fueling my passion. Where I'm like, oh, we just have to find a way. I guess you could make parallels I mean, like, Mars is pretty much a desert. I mean, it's more inhospitable than Arizona <laughs> than the parts of Arizona that have the reservation on it. But like this. I don't know.
1: It's like, I'm sure there's going to be some parallels between like the lack of water and everything. have. <laughs> so I mean, Does that make any sense? Yeah, All right. I mean, no, you're laughing about it, but it, it, you are effectively saying that if the, if you want to do studies on Earth about the closest circumstances to living on Mars, that you might be able to argue that it's it's Native Amer- the Native American experience, that that might be the closest analogy we have to look at. <laughs> Right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah,
2: I, uh, yeah, yeah, that just came to mind, yeah, maybe. <laughs> that is <laughs> kind strange. of a baseless accusation, but no, um, agriculture yeah, is really bad down there. <laughs> listen,
1: and everybody listening to this show knows this conversation, you're stumbling into the thought but you go, because I just I, I just mm-hmm. looked it up. You said your grandma has to drive six hours to a supermarket. I just looked mm-hmm. it up from my house to New Jersey. The supermarket I go to is 10 minutes away maximum. If I was living the experience of your grandmother, to put this in perspective, from my house in Northern New Jersey, I would have to drive to Richmond, Virginia to go to a supermarket. Wow. I could could drive as far as Richmond, Virginia before I passed another supermarket. That's, that's, That's really... You know, there's the. Yeah. F- I, I know that you're describing areas that are actual deserts, but they talk about food deserts too. It has to be one of the most severe food deserts you can find, certainly for anyone in America. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yep. I'm checking in the other it, direction. That's if I went south. If I went west, that would mean that I would have to drive from my house in New Jersey to Youngstown, Ohio, to go to a
2: supermarket. Hey, why? My brother-in-law
1: from Youngstown. <laughs> I'm glad that never what we're go away. there. So. I'm glad that that's the that's the happy. <laughs> we managed to stumble into the happy part of it. Ah, I know somebody from there. As I go, <laughs> y- your grandma. As I'm trying to highlight your your grandmother's. Sorry. No, Sorry. don't <laughs> apologize. We're joking around. That is nuts. Drive to Ohio yeah. just to get a car full of food. That is. Mm-hmm. That is. It's just not okay. It's just not okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And the hard thing with COVID too is that the grocery stores become like a hot spot. Right. And so it's like, how do you deal with that? How do you get people their food? My grandpa's currently living with my parents right now mm-hmm. because like the family that he was staying with, they weren't like taking care of him correctly. And so my mom just brought him over down to our house down there. And yeah, he's doing really good. We're just trying to figure out like how to get him in the best shape that he is. So we're looking at his eyes, looking at his dental, um, trying to get his health back up. And my mom said he's really happy. And so I'm excited about that. I might go after the semester's over, I think I might go home and visit for a bit. i yeah. will well, get tested and quarantine a course and, and visit for a bit. Uh, yeah, because I haven't seen my family since
1: last August. Yeah, it's. Since they came up here for the semester. It's crazy. It's crazy what's happening. I, I I've never thought about this before, but your parents lived this experience. You know, I believe you referred to it as the Navajo Nation, right? Yeah. When, when your parents leave, the Navajo Nation. And they move to a city. It sounds to me like the experience almost feels like immigrating from a different country to America, just based on the the drastic oh. lifestyle changes. Is that is that yes. how people feel? Thank
2: you, Chris. That's what I wanted to bring up too.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So, like I said, there's not a lot of representation of the Americans in media or. um and so a lot of the times I watch like um, like these independent uh, video creators on YouTube, like I don't know, Wong Fu Productions, and they really go into the whole story behind like being an immigrant from a different country and all that. And it's kind of odd, like even though I'm in the same country, I feel like my parents immigrated from the reservation to off the reservation and because it's such different cultures and you get like a huge culture shock. It feels like it's actually immigrating from a different country. And I feel like I'm like a first generation immigrant who coming out and yeah, it's, it's kind of really odd being identified with that too. Uh, but that's exactly what it feels like though. So.
1: I've never thought about that. I've never thought about that, but you've really laid out that perspective in a way where it clicks for me, where you go, yeah, if someone moves from a different country and they haven't navigated the school system for their kids before, the the infrastructure of how you get food, how you get basic services is markedly different and you feel like a stranger who's kind of stumbling over these things as you, as you figure out this culture that's not slowing down for you, that is really, I've never, and maybe this is just like an, an ignorance on my part that I'm willing to admit to, but I'm like, never really thought that that is happening amongst this group of people that, that lives in pockets all over our country and have for centuries, that it's still re- yeah. that remarkably different as far as the lifestyle yeah.
2: That's like why my cousins, like we've always tried to help my cousins get off the reservation. And they will like for like, I don't know, a couple months, but then they just don't feel like they belong or something, or they try to go to university and it's just so hard for them that they just end up going back. And so... Uh, my parents always have this saying that like you, the reason why you like took you off the reservation is so that you can get a better education and then you can come back to help your people. Um, but yeah, so it's just, it's just hard. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it.
1: Oh, it's, you're just, you're doing a, I've, you're doing a great job describing it. Cause there's all these things that I'm, I'm realizing right now that I've, never never really considered it's kind of blowing my mind mhm,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, it's I don't know, it's just a part of being native American, and the thing and the odd thing about it too is like well, I mean other cultures experiences too, um but like you're not native American enough, or you're not enough of your race, and because I wasn't. Raised on the reservation, I talk differently and I dress differently from those who are. And so every time we go back to like visit our cousins or whatever, like pre-COVID times, of course, but um, it's just we, there's just a big difference between the way I present myself and the way they present themselves.
1: And I have um, to imagine that, but it, yeah, you mentioned your cousins who have tried to. Move on and, and go back because the lifestyle feels so different. And they, you know, I imagine more safety, more security in the lifestyle. You know, I have to imagine that there could be tension there, almost like resentment there, of of people who have have tried and, and haven't walked the path you've walked, or people who feel like maybe they're being judged as less than because they they still live there. I, I, it, it must create so many sort of mental hoops to jump through.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's just, I know there has been tensions between in my family because my, uh, my parents are the only ones on my dad's side that moved off the reservation. And um, he just told us of like some of the dynamics that happened and some of the arguments that happened of why he moved off and, um, all that and my family all my uncles and aunties on my dad's side they're all welders and they all travel together to work but it's just like some, some dynamics of like arguments and all that where they'll just not travel with my dad anymore and yeah it just it does create family tensions because we're out here and they're on the reservation and um, but yeah.
1: And then you and your sister, engineers. You and yeah,
2: your sister my dad. it's engineers. kind of funny because my dad, cause he's a welder. He's always told us about these like young, young people in the, um, who works in power plants. and these Young people in the power plants who dress really nice and wear like a hard hat and they would carry around this clipboard. He always tells us like, those are engineers. You have to be, those engineers. And I have six other siblings. I mean, seven other siblings, but um it just kind of stuck with my sister and I. I guess. And they just wanted to learn more about who those guys are in the power plants and why our dad wanted to become
1: engineers so much. It is so cool to think of that, right? That your family are all mm-hmm. welders. And then in my mind, you think of it, you go, well the engineers design the bridges, but when you drive past that construction st- the skyscrapers who are the people you actually see doing the work it's it's the people working with their hands it's the people wearing the hard hats mm-hmm. it's the welders it's the it's the surveyors it's it's all those people who are the the ground level people that are actually executing that and what a beautiful thing for your father to see oh that you and your sister like there's an argument to be made that you're still in the family business. It's just that you found this new angle where it's happening through a university level, but it's still connected mm-hmm. to that tradition. That's so cool. Your dad, your yeah, dad, it's... your dad must like shut the bathroom door. So when you, and when, when you tell your dad, what you studied at school on the phone, I bet he hangs up that phone and then he locks the door and he just kind of like cries with pride. I bet.
2: I don't know. My dad's not
1: much of a crier, but Yeah, behind closed doors, yeah, my dad's not. Yeah. A, my dad, my dad is not much of a crier either. Um, <laughs> but I know, I know he is proud of me. He's told me that. He's told me that. I bet. I bet your dad <laughs> just feels these emotions you never, you 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 don't even perceive. He's gotta be. He's gotta be so proud. It's so cool what you're doing. Oh, thank
2: you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's yeah, I'm glad you brought that topic up, because like I said, I was gonna bring that up anyways. It's, it's just been on my mind for a long time. I don't know. No one like really tells you how to talk about race problems. And so when like I moved away from home, I'm like, how do I how do I talk about this? How do because in a lot of my classes, in my general classes anyway, not my engineering classes, but um, you know, race does come up as a topic all the time. And in high school, I'd always just kind of not say anything, even though I used to be like the only person of color in the classroom. <laughs> and I, so yeah, I'm just like right now, I'm just trying to navigate like, how do I talk about race? And like, I'm not really sure how still, I'm just kind of practicing here and there. Um, yeah.
1: We only have five minutes left. It's unbelievable. I have so many. Oh, like, no, Chris, well, my, no, My brain's racing. Because you talk about this. And I have a question about the Native experience with this, too. Because the phrase people of color, it, it, in, in so many ways, I go, yeah, a united front is very necessary. But... The, the experience of an Asian person is different than that of a black person than that of a Hispanic person. Mm-hmm. The idea of being a Hispanic person doesn't mean there's one universal experience. Someone, Someone's experience with a background in Cuba is different from that of someone in Mexico, just because you mm-hmm. come from a Sp- Spanish-speaking, and you know, e- the Asian experience, the South Asian experience, like I would have to imagine even within an alliance of people of color that native Americans are often, I would have to think the minority, even within those organizations. Like, I feel like that probably, probably, I don't know, but maybe I'm also in the Northeast to be fair. Um, Mm -hmm. But I have to imagine your experience even within discussions Amongst people of color is one that is not heard about as often.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like I. I don't know. I. I mean, I have social media, and I always like to follow. I don't know a lot of a lot of like things that with race, and I don't know just independent movie creators, and um, and see what they say and what stories they tell, because obviously the big media they don't tell. A diverse range of stories and they're only just getting into like Asian side of stories and all that and so yeah I don't I don't see really a lot of representation but um, you know one step at a time. Um, I have hope that in the future that it'll grow and I'm just trying to do my part in representing
1: people in Engineering, my people, and so cool. Call it engineering, it's so cool. What a story! People call your parents, Hey, what's your daughter up to? They're like, Oh, you know, no biggie, just growing carrots in space, whatever, whatever, <laughs> figuring out how to grow root vegetables in an environment where soil flies through the air, <laughs> but whatever, no biggie. <laughs>
2: well, Oh
1: no, Chris! I feel like I have so much more to say, but we only have a couple minutes left now. huh? You've said so much. This one has That's my funny. this one has my gears turning. My gears turning. <laughs> we got two minutes left. Is there anything that you want to go more in depth on? Anything you haven't brought up yet that you're like, let's let's make sure this gets on record. Um. Oh, you
2: know what? I don't know. I. I I always thought to myself, oh, I'll write a list down of what everything I wanted to say. I beautiful a phenomenal I got on, and then I never wrote it. And now I'm here, and I'm like, two minutes left. What do I say? Um, I don't know if there's anyone out there that has a story like mine just growing. I've had the roughest semester of my life, but it's uh, people around me tell me it's worth it, and now I'm starting to believe them. So
1: yeah, I love that. That's, that's pretty it. much it. It's <laughs> a good lesson. That's a good lesson. I still have trouble with it at the age of 40. When I've, mm-hmm. done, I've done a lot of stuff I, I'm proud of. And then people tell me tell me nice things. And I still have trouble believing them. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. It's easier said than done. I'll say this too. I know for a fact I've met at least one NASA employee who listens to this show. I did shows in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, and there was at least there was a bunch of NASA people in the crowd. But I know there was at least one. I remember. What listen to the show? Let's get another interview cooking. Okay, you want to reach out to me, NASA? We'll, we'll get this interview. You, you made a mistake. You can correct the mistake. You get in touch with us. Anita will 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 hook you up with some contact info. We'll, NASA, let's get on the ball here. Okay, I found the person who's going oh, to teach you. you how to how to. Grow fennel in space. Let's make it happen.
2: <laughs> All right, Chris. I was supposed to say one more thing. I love the Smiths now. You, you made too. me listen to them and I love uh, it so much. Yes. Yeah, I'm so well, sorry to listen to some real music. But thank you so much by the way for this. I really appreciate it. And that shout out too. We'll see what happens in summer.
1: <laughs> Let's make it happen. And I'm glad listen, I'm uh, I'm so glad we got to talk. It really it went in so many directions that, that were eye-opening and shouldn't think about it. And then you like the Smiths. Well, I, I tell you, I mean, Morrissey's become a very problematic guy, but those old Smith songs, if you <laughs> ever felt isolated or like an outsider, some of those lyrics will cut right to your heart. But I'm glad. That oh,
2: you, don't I know
1: it. <laughs> I, I'm glad you, I'm glad you got on that train. Oh, Morrissey, stop breaking my heart.
2: Well, I wish you and your family all the safety and, you know, I wish you a good day as
1: well, too. Likewise. I don't know. How many seconds do we got left? We're like like 45 seconds over.
2: (laughs) Oh, 45
1: seconds. Okay. Um,
2: Yeah, I saw your kid. He's really cute.
1: Ah, Thanks. He's the best. He's
2: really cute. He's really cute. I have nieces and nephews, and I'm like, I know when a cute baby's cute. So that's a really cute baby. (laughs)
1: thank you so much great talking to you
2: yeah great talking to you too Chris
1: caller I I can't wait till someday uh, when we all have to flee to Mars and I get up there and I'm dicing up an onion and somehow we found a way to make it so the onion stays on the counter on the cutting board and I get to go oh thank god for that caller Figuring this out. Can't wait. Thank you to Anita Flores. Thank you to Jared O'Connell. Thank you, Shell Shag. You want to know more about me and what I'm up to? ChrisGef.com. If you listen on any any platform you're listening on it has some version of a button that says follow or favorite or subscribe. When you click that, it helps the show immeasurably. I thank you if you will go ahead and do that. If you want our whole back catalog without any ads, you go to StitcherPremium.com/stories. Tons of other stuff on Stitcher Premium as well. Check it
0: out.